There is a natural drive in all of us for our lives to matter, for our lives to achieve significance in some way, shape, or form. And where did that drive come from? I think it is the way in which God created us. But Jesus in this passage actually helps us to understand how to make our lives matter, how to be significant with our lives. And what would that be? Yeah, we're going to get into it in just a little bit. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll jump right in. We are in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 28. This is about the transfiguration, which is mm, great a really cool passage. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about it before, but I just want to say it again. We believe, I believe that this happens on Mount Hermon, which would be in northern Israel. Mm-hmm. Though if you were to go to Israel today, which we would love to go with you, but they have the Mount of Transfiguration. It's just like this little hill. And it's not a high mountain at all, like Scripture talks about. Cool things happen in Scripture on that hill, but I don't believe that transfiguration happened there. Here we get into it. Verse 28 says, About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a high mountain to pray. Now, he he only takes three of them. Yeah. Why do you think that is? He seems unfair, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Because if I were one of the 12 and I wasn't one of the three, I'd I'd feel pretty bad. Yeah, do you think we're a little too quick to demand everything in life be fair? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Think you so. heard that as a kid growing yeah. up, didn't you? Yep, yep, yep. yep. And so the fact of the matter is that, some t- that, you know, God isn't fair. He's not because no. he he made me five foot seven. He made you six foot one. That's not fair. Last time I went to the doctor, six two. Six two? I grew an inch. Man, you're still in growing. my 30s. That's not fair. Man, is that not fair? And and he's given, uh, you know, he, he's given Jansen and Hayden this musical ability that's beyond, yeah. under, you know, I believe. Yeah. And but he I gave you hair and not Jansen. Well, that's true. On top of your There's, head, so. He's just not fair. I think that God is too interesting and enjoyable to be fair. Yeah. Because when we demand fairness across the board, then that's just a boring life. It's true. Instead... He, he does things differently. But he, he, I think that it's good organization on Jesus's part because what he does here is he has three that he pours himself into, that he develops. And then those three, in turn, they're the central organization when the church begins that the other 12 or, or the other would have been nine, then they pour into those nine who then in turn multiply ministry across what eventually becomes cities yeah. and then around the world. Yeah. And it's just what he did. But yet, besides that, to really pour yourself into a dozen people, that's nearly impossible. Right. And so what he does is he pours himself into these three. It actually would have been unfair for him to try to pour himself into 12. None of them would have gotten really fully. Yeah, none of them would have gotten it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we got one verse down. Yep. Let's continue. (laughs) As he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah... Why was it those two dead? Well, it's because Moses uh, and Elijah were never, you know, what actually happened to them? We don't know. Elijah didn't die. He was just taken up by this chariot up into heaven. And Moses, he died, but we don't know what happened to his body. And I think that, plus they were just prominent figures, used of God during important periods in Israel's history. Moses for the founding of the nation and Elijah from this uh, during this transition time when we're about about ready to go into the right. the dark years of the the Babylonian captivity. Yeah, this is such a cheap illustration, but it is a sense of like kids running around playing superheroes right now. You know, Superman, Batman, who am I? I think Jewish kids would have felt like that a little bit with the legends of their faith. They're like, oh, Moses is one of my favorites, and Elijah is one of my favorites. And so you have these two legends that these guys would have completely looked up to as kids. Well, and they were spoken of as, yeah, they were spoken of as being the heroes of their faith. That's right. 
So they appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from the world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, not even knowing what he was saying. <laughs> I just love that guy. He said, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So he's saying, I just want to remember this. Let's, let's build these memorials. Mm -hmm. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. I think that this also goes to our human tendency to want to preserve special moments. That's what Peter wanted to do. Oh, let's preserve this somehow and make these, you know, memorials. It reminds me of uh, people and their cell phones and recording, having to record all this stuff. I, I go to these programs, kids' programs with your kids, yeah. and while they're doing their thing on stage, and you got every, you got these parents, <laughs> I think parents recording, some of these parents record the entire thing. Yeah. Like anybody is ever going to watch that again. Yeah. Well, even, uh, it's not like a bad parent, but like, even the part of my kids, you record it a year from now. I don't know if I want to see it. Yeah, like, I don't want to watch the whole thing. No, no like maybe, maybe a little maybe snippets like or something. But yeah, I don't want to watch that whole thing again. Yeah. But that's our Cuban tendency. Oh, this is a special time. So we wind up missing the specialness of being in the moment by trying to preserve the moment instead. Yeah. No, instead, let's just, and that's, that's what it is. God comes along, you know, after, after Peter says, let's preserve this by putting on memorials. And, and God says, hey, listen to him. Just yeah. be in the moment. Don't right. try to preserve it. Yeah. The next day, after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I beg your disciples to cast out this spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? That seems like a... Seems like he's kind of grumpy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a harsh reply to this man, doesn't yeah. it? Yep. But he he says that before he brings about this healing as well. Now, if I don't have the power to be able to do what Jesus did, I'm not going to use his his harsh words as an example and treat people that way. No. But Jesus also knew how to bring the extreme from. Yeah. You know, what he says and then what he brings to this man. Well, it's interesting, too. Like, we live in a day and age where everybody likes to sugarcoat Jesus. Like, he was like this, mm -hmm. you know, vanilla man who just only said nice things. He could be pretty straightforward. Absolutely. He could, be, he could be harsh. And he said to this man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. And he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. Hmm. You want to take it from there, Dad? Yeah. Uh, verse, well, still we're in verse 43, towards the end of verse 43. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. It's funny because then, you know, we don't want to go there. And with some of those uncomfortable conversations, we just try to stay away from them. Verse 46, then he, his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. You know, we may not do that out 
out loud, but yet we still tend to think that way and we size ourselves up uh, with each other. And so they're arguing about this. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. So now we're talking about achieving significance. Yeah. And Jesus says the way up is down. Yeah. It's by humbling yourself. It's by becoming like a little child. With We think of children as being cute today. In that day, they just saw children as being useless. They couldn't produce anything for them. Mm-hmm. And so children were not looked up to the way that Jesus is the one that actually changed that view. Yeah. And we have he, a high regard for children today because of Jesus. Yeah, he changed the view, but you you could say like even in an office today in the in the in a typical office, mm-hmm. the most important person is at the, you know, the end of the conference table leading the meeting. It's definitely not that person cleaning up after the meeting. No, in fact, uh, women who are choose to be stay-at-home moms are oftentimes belittled. It's kind of an offshoot of modern feminism. Right. In fact, I, I hear women say, oh, I hate children. I hate children, yeah. which means you've got a problem with Jesus. Right. And the re- I, think the, I think they feel this pressure to put down that concept of child rearing like that. It would be a position of honor. Yeah. But Jesus was saying that it's not just even a person who cares for the child, though he does, he, he lifts that person up, caring yeah. for the child, but he's lifting up the child itself yeah. rather than the CEO sitting at the end of the table. Right. So the way for, to significance is through humility and service. Verse 49, Jesus said, uh, John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But <laughs> Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. And the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It's interesting, the time for him to ascend to heaven, not just for him to go to the cross, but to because that, the cross was actually the beginning of these, those last few days before he actually goes to heaven to be yeah, back the with The cross his wasn't the end. Mm-hmm. He sent messengers ahead to the Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When Jesus and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Oh, brother. Uh, But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. And as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He slept outside. And he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed. And he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father, which, you know, with his father, it's not like his father was dead waiting to be buried. He was saying, let me wait until my dad dies and I bury him and then I'll do this. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's serious business. It is. His call for us to commit to him is a big deal, and our commitment matters. Yeah. Let's go over to Proverbs. Yeah. Proverbs ready? Chapter 17 is the proverb for today. And it's verse 9 that you said, right, Dad? Yeah, verse 9. Yeah, I think you were saying, actually, my version sounds a little bit better. Yep. Uh, which this is the first edition for the NLT. It's interesting because sometimes I like the first edition reading better than the second edition. Yeah. But uh, we read, disregarding another person's faults preserves love. 
and uh, married couples listening to me, you you know what I'm talking about here because it's so easy to start dwelling on each other's faults and especially pointing out those faults. And the more you point out those faults, because if you want to find fault, you can. I mean, yeah. uh, the, with any human being alive, you can find those faults if you want to. Yeah. And it's not just married couples. It's, I even think of this like, Dad, I am probably can be pretty annoying to work with. And yet I think you overlook my my faults quite a bit and so that we can enjoy this working. Not that you don't ever confront or anything. And it can be that way with anybody yeah. that, that you work with or that you live with. But I think everyone listening to this knows which is the annoying one of this pair. But, <laughs> uh, but that's exactly right. If you want to find fault, you can. Yeah. But you're, you're going to lose the relationship over that. And then th- this is also good. Telling about them, that is telling about those faults separates close friends or so i love what, what my version yeah, says version my says version yeah my version says dwelling on it separates mm. close friends i mean yeah. you can go with either but yeah it's the idea of like it's just all you focus on and it can it, it can very easily become that some co- some friendships and some marriages are really built on just dwelling on stuff mm-hmm. either between the two of you or uh, about other people that you work with mm-hmm. you know relationships are just built on gossip or dwelling on other people's faults it separates close friends. So let's do this. Uh, let's recognize that the people around you are full of faults, but so are you. And just like you don't want them pointing out and dwelling on your faults, instead, do what Proverbs says here. Be wise and preserve the relationship. Instead, focus on what can be encouraging and uplifting. It was good to be with you again today, and we look forward to tomorrow when we can get back into Luke chapter 10 tomorrow and then Proverbs 18. So we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. God bless. 